Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Sound Judgment Podcast. Where every episode, we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics, from reviews to which member of Motley Crue is the most vile. I'm gonna judge the officials. I'm gonna judge all the judges. It's gonna take you people years to recover from all my opinions. Did you come up with any names? No. (laughs) Okay, so fantastic. So... Last week. <laughs> so what do you have? Because I know, so okay, we had a couple that were like, ooh, this is like a good start, but I don't know what to do with it, and I still don't know what to do with it. Like, so, I don't, so, okay. I don't know what to call ourselves. Uh, I have, I have only one pitch, so hopefully this goes over, because otherwise we're going to be sitting here with no name. But you have every, every option to veto this, but, so I'm, um, I'm thinking about our name, and I pour myself like a detective's like shot of whiskey, and I'm just sitting there with my glass, and I'm staring at the at the list of like four names that we have, and I'm staring at the music judgment, right? Okay. And the whiskey glass actually leans into me and says, "You know, if it were sound judgment, it would at least be a pun." So that's the best I got. You know what? I'm into it. Fantastic. Glad we got that out of the way. So anyways, uh, I was looking at the views for our previous podcast, and it turns out that people just don't want music podcasts. They want us to talk about, you know, something more relevant, like uh, po- like politics or something. So you know it's a hot-button topic, Jeff? I don't want to do this. What are we doing? China is a hot-button topic. <laughs> apparently it's not, I hate you apparently so it's, much. Apparently it's not just a wrestler anymore. You know what Americans love more than the Constitution, beer, and racism? What would that be, Chris? Um, you might think it's democracy, but it's actually bad albums. And that's why I propose that we send all of the unsold copies of Chinese democracy and give them to those in need so they can collect the free Dr. Pepper. So I actually was going to bring up the free Dr. Pepper thing at some point. I was, I was wondering if you remembered that whole ordeal. <laughs> I absolutely remember free Dr. Pepper. Uh, just in case anyone happens to hear this who does not. Because... Axl Rose talked for 14 years that he was going to release a new album. It just kept not happening. Um, was it Slash who started it by making the comment about, like, oh, it's not going to come out this year? And Dr. Pepper Company said, if this album comes out this year, we will give everybody one free Dr. Pepper except for Slash. And the way they did it was you had to log onto this website and print out a little coupon to redeem your Dr. Pepper. I still have my coupon. <laughs> I have it. It is laminated. <laughs> you need, like, until... a proof of purchase or something, right? Of the album. No, it's just... Oh, okay. Um, no, I don't believe so. It is just... I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to look and see if it has anything on it. It does have okay. fine print on it. But, like, no, it is just one, you know, what, 12-ounce or six or whatever, 20-ounce bottle or whatever it was. It's just a coupon for a free Dr. Pepper. I, I remember that. I just, uh, the, I think it was Slash. I think you're right, but... The, I want to say it was Slash who made a comment that Dr. Pepper, like, basically made an like, ad campaign bet them on. Of. Bet them yeah. on, yeah. Um, but I think, that, I think that the only thing is I, I thought it involved a uh, proof, of, proof of purchase or something. But I could be wrong. I See, I don't remember that being the thing. I think... I really do think it was just like no. The hard part was logging into the website okay. and getting your coupon. Okay, if I remember correctly. But regardless, I still have my coupon. I actually I'd grab it, but I actually recently put it like 
in storage bins. That's okay. Um, it, it literally has been hanging up for years. And I, I literally put it away like a month ago, maybe. And to prove that every American was only getting one, you have to put in your social security number. I don't think it was your social security number. I don't remember the details. I would have to like look into that, and I didn't think to look into it, actually, unfortunately. Um, so, I know that... Well, okay. You used a strong word for this album last week. Um, favorite, I believe. Best? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna get into that for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What I did, I, so I had, I have not listened to all of Chinese Democracy until like last week. Uh, you have recommended a few tracks that I've listened to here and there. Um, okay, and and I knew a couple of them, but I would say seventy five percent of this was me going in blind. Oh, okay. So what I did was. I took a few notes, whether they were like one sentence or like a small paragraph, as I just went through my first listen through um, yeah. to see what my first impressions were. And then when I went through, I went through a second time late, like earlier this week, and I, I either added or modified to my original notes. So normally I don't like doing track by track, but I might do a little bit of that this week. Totally fine. Um, just Granted, the, some of them just, are like one or two sentences, but go ahead. Can I just go back for a second? Have we mentioned the name of the album yet? Because I'm not, I'm not sure you did. No, I said I was going to drop it on all the needy people so they could collect their free Dr. Pepper. Oh, okay, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, we're obviously talking about the best Guns N' Roses album, which is Chinese Democracy from 2008. Am I going to have to bleep some of these words? Can I give a... Okay, so like opinions about the album aside, can I give like a a we do an open argument or opening argument? No, can, can I give like a disclaimer thought for one of the issues I think a lot of people have with it? Okay. Um, so like I'm not going to mention any songs in particular, but I do think one of the issues people have with the album Chinese Democracy is it doesn't really sound like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, you're going straight to my closing paragraph, so... But that being said, here, here, I will give you my thoughts here. Yeah. There is a huge gap of time between... Well, if you want to include the spaghetti incident in 93, I guess. Yeah. Ultimately, like, we're looking at the Use Your Illusion albums, which came out in 1991. And Chinese Democracy didn't come out until 2008. So there's this huge gap of time, right? Yeah. And Guns N' Roses was absolutely evolving already between the, like, in the few albums they released, there were some stylistic changes going on. Yeah, people, I, there are people who hate Use Your Illusion because of that. Yeah, I absolutely will argue that Chinese democracy makes sense if you put it in the context of there's albums worth of writing and material that never existed. So if Guns N' Roses continued writing, let's say there was another album in 95, and then another album in, like, 98, then another album in 2002, then in 2005, I think Chinese Democracy makes sense under the assumption that you look at it as this is years later. Like, this is almost a decade and a half after the previous album. Like, there's evolution of music and style that we never heard. Chinese Democracy sounds like an album from the mid-2000s. It does not sound like a blues rock album from the 80s, because it's not. I I think that 
you kind of though unintentionally hit on on part of the problem is it sounds like it's from the mid two thousands where I think I think most people will agree that their favorite album is Appetite for Destruction, which which I think is wholly wrong because quite frankly, aside from the spaghetti incident, it's the album I listen to the least of. But I, I'm talking about let's just talk about the consensus for for a second here, um, which I think is kind of like. Even though it the production is pretty eighties, it sounds kind of timeless hard rock, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's in the same vein as as like an Aerosmith or anything from the seventies and eighties. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what people like about it is that it kinda of has yeah. that timeless sound where it it, it it came out, you know, in the late eighties, right? Like eighty five or eighty seven. Eighty six. But like you could you just listening to it, you could like pin it down somewhere between the 70s and like early 90s whereas Chinese democracy could have only been made when it was made I think without sounding dated maybe even it was a little dated when it came out I don't know see I no see I will argue the problem is the fact that uh, okay how do I how do I want to phrase this the problem I think is you know, okay, so let's go back, because I, I love bringing up Aerosmith, because I know how much you love them, right? Uh, Aerosmith well. is super generic American classic rock. Yeah. Like, when you think American classic rock, like, that's just the sound that comes into your head, right? Yeah. Um, That sound is super generic because of bands like Aerosmith. The classic sound of Appetite for Destruction just being, like, classic American hard rock... It's classic because of that album. It's not that I think Appetite for Destruction is timeless. I think it's timeless just because it's the album that people loved. I guess that's true. Which, really... So, like, okay, so Chinese Democracy, which, I mean, has a lot of um, electronic influences in it. It's it's very new metal-ish at certain I, times. I use the I word think butt it's rock a, several times. I'll get to that in a second, because I actually have a question. Okay. Um, it, so it has a lot of, like, uh, industrial and electronic sounds. It has, like, new metal-esque aspects of it at times, which was a sign of the mid to late 2000s. That's just what the sound was. The same way that Appetite for Destruction wasn't actually anything unique-sounding in the mid-80s. It was blues-based hard rock. It was if Aerosmith were good in 1986 is basically what it comes down to. I think the difference is, for some reason, people liked Appetite for Destruction more. And quite frankly, I actually question how, like, genuinely, and this is speaking as a Guns N' Roses fan, I question how they got popular. Because so many people hate some of the trademarks of Guns N' Roses. Like, the biggest complaint is people hating Axl Rose's voice, and I just kind of, it makes me wonder, like, then how did they get as far as they did? I mean, obviously the people who hate his voice are not the people who were fans. Like, I realize we're not, you know, if we were looking at a Venn diagram, these are two separate circles here. But yeah, I mean, Um, again, we're talking another week talking about divisive singers, so. Yeah, absolutely, and he's absolutely one of them. Yeah. Okay, so real quick, I do want to go off on a, a, a little side here. Define butt rock, because this is not what I think of when I hear that phrase. 
at all. The definition of butt rock that I always heard was it was the that kind of new metal influenced rock that wasn't really hard enough to be in with new metal, but like was kind of too hard for you know some of the some of the stations that were just kind of playing Foo Fighters or whatever, kind of like Breaking Benjamin or Shine Down or whatever. Okay, so like Shine Down, um, um, like Seether, like that kind of thing. Yeah, is that so? The the so, bands that also went by like post rock or yeah, post grunge, right? Yeah. So post-grunge. I think it. I think it's one of those things we named in retrospect. I think it comes from a lot of those stations like advertising themselves as nothing but rock. I think that's. I think that's. I think that's where the joke comes from. If that's true, that's actually kind of funny. So that's funny because like when I hear the phrase butt rock, that, that that's not what I. That's not what I ever think of what do you think of like i thought people used the word butt rock referring to like bon jovi okay like i thought butt rock was just like making fun of like the arena rock era of of like hard rock like to me butt rock was like pyromania era def leopard i I have always that's what i thought so i've never okay so if you are if, if we are referring to butt rock as like the the seethers of the mid two thousands, then yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. Chinese democracy has a lot of that in it. Yeah. So um, my opening note for Chinese democracy is uh, he really gave us a minute of build up for butt rock you like a hurricane. And. <laughs> like a hurricane that's actually pretty good i like that uh axel will later go on full-on cat for songs i think would work better in his lower range but he won't spare one scream on this rock opening all right so i mean if you have any good counterpoints let me know because i know that there are songs you said that you there are on every album songs that you don't like and every song has songs that you like more so let me know what you think of these as i hit them off yeah, okay, so I will. So, like, just as a, a thing about Guns N' Roses is, I mean, again, I love Guns N' Roses, but they do not have a single, what I would call, like, a flawless album. Everything they've ever recorded has songs on it that I'll just straight up skip. That's just part of what they've always done. Yeah, that's what Mr. Brownstone's for. No, I love Mr. Brownstone. Are you serious? Uh, not really. Uh, me, and my, are... me and my family had a running joke where me and my cousin were harassing my other cousin about how it's the worst song in the album. I think he might oh. actually believe it, but I think, I think, I, I definitely joined in just to, just for the argument. I was gonna say, wow, I, 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 I was unaware we disagreed about Guns N' Roses this much. <laughs> my God. Um, <laughs> like, I was like, I like, I love Mr. Brownstone. That's. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, that's one of my favorite songs on Appetite for Destruction. That's one of the ones I, like, intentionally seek out and put on. Yeah, no, that's... Oh, that's weird. Okay. So what is your your worst song on Appetite, as long as we're here? Worst song on Appetite? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't love You're Crazy or Anything Goes. I don't think either of those songs do much for me. Yeah, they definitely Um, stuck the weak one. Out to Get Me is not a great song. I like the live recording that there is on the live 87 to 93 album. Okay. Um, And it's so easy. Again, it's not a great song. I mean, it's so easy. It's coming to my mind, too. But, like, I can't sit here and tell you when the last time I listened to Rocket Queen was, so... Oh, Rocket Queen is one of those ones I probably, you know, high school me when I was first getting into Guns N' Roses, I don't think I cared for Rocket Queen. 
What made me like Rocket Queen was actually Slash with Miles Kennedy singing it. That's one of the Guns N' Roses songs that that Slash did with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Yeah. And those recordings of it were just like, oh, this is kind of a cool song, isn't it? Like, hearing it with... I think Miles Kennedy sings that song better than Axel ever did, so... Yeah, and I think there are some songs I would just kind of prefer Axel not singing on, but I'm trying not to get too far into that. Yet. Yeah, that's fine. We'll get to we'll get to that. Uh, Shackler's Revenge. Um, this has the same opening as Dig by Monvain. This is new metal. It is new metal. Um, so Shackler's Revenge is one of the Buckethead tracks. Okay, that makes sense. Which. Yeah, I think that kind of explains a lot. Uh, the riff is just really harsh. It's not complicated sounding, but it's definitely harsh. It's grating on the ears. Yeah. And I honestly think it's super cool. I love it. But if this is your definition of butt rock, then like, yeah, I, I totally agree. This song, Shackle's Revenge is one of the ones I think of when I think like, oh yeah, this song shows that it was recorded in the mid-2000s. Right. Yeah, first two, oh, absolutely. First absolutely. two weren't doing it for me. Third one, better. I'll oh, come on and say it. Better is not one of the songs I particularly like on this album. I don't hate it, but it wasn't very focused. It no, feels, better it is feels not like a great it's song. all over the place. Like I, I hate the opening refrain. And then the verse isn't bad. And then it like comes back the refrain comes back in during the verses, and I don't hate that. But I don't like how Axel sings the refrain, like the in that like Hi no Whispers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great. It better is and not then, a good song. But then the heavy parts come in and make it feel like two different songs Frankenstein together and I don't care for that yeah, one bit. Better better is not a great song. I really can't yeah. argue with that one. I'm not going to. Uh Streets of Dreams is where If you say a single bad thing about this, I will come to your house and I will strangle you. You were gonna have a bad time then. That's where his voice is like the elephant in the room for me. This is okay, where, you know, this if, is where if his voice is your complaint, I'm gonna let that go. That's no, this is about. this uh, this is like where Axel starts going full cat in a blender. And like, okay. I, you know, sometimes I think his voice works. There are songs by Guns N' Roses that I like in spite of Axl Rose. Like November Rain, I don't think is a song that Axl particularly brings a lot to, and it might be done better by another singer. Whereas like Welcome to the Jungle, I think his voice works really well on. Like he his screams really, really do something with that kind of hard rock. This isn't that. This is Axl, peak Axl doing Axl shit. So this is going back to real quick. This I am going to bring this back up again. This is going back to. It amazes me that they were ever super popular. Yeah, because like that's just like a hallmark of what they are. As a a fan of that vocal style, like I love this song. Love this song. Right. This is absolutely like, not up for debate. This is the best Guns N' Roses song ever. Period. And to me, I think. I think people not liking his voice just kind of amazes me. Just like, how were they ever popular? This is what they've always done. But, I, I have to say this. So I was listening to this album just, you know, half an hour ago on my, on my drive back home. And I then felt the need to put on Sweet Child of Mine. And I thought of something. The studio recordings of... Some, especially, like, Sweet Child of Mine, some of the earlier, like, ballady songs, they really cleaned up Axel's voice. 
It's yeah. the live recordings, which I mostly listen to. It's the live recordings where you hear, like, no, he always did his dying cat thing on these songs. Like, he never sang cleanly. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's my problem, too, because... And do you think they did that on um, um, User Illusion, too? Because I noticed there's just so much of that, like, vocal not, fry thing he does. Yeah, not as much. Like, by it's, it's really only Appetite for Destruction, which they cleaned up his voice more. Everything else, they kind of just let him be a screechy cat more. Um, on even on the ballads and and again, it just kind of makes me wonder. Like, I don't understand how they ever got as popular as they were because, again, I love this. I love that vocal style. I love that sound. If that's someone's biggest complaint, I'm not gonna argue with them. Like, this is absolutely not to everyone's taste. He is not everyone's cup of tea. Well, having said <laughs> that, you know I'm a sucker for big epic theatrical rock, so I actually do like yeah. the instrumental on this. Uh, I just um. I think it gets a lot better once it stops being less Axel yelling at a piano. <laughs> I mean, I like the thing is, I I know you're probably expecting me to argue with you. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, you're you're not wrong. I I can't tell somebody objectively that they're wrong for not liking his voice on this song. I personally love it, and I think compositionally, I think this is the best song Guns N' Roses ever recorded. I'll tell you what, it's it's. I think uh, I think the instrumental is pretty good. I think there there might be a song on here that I like better, but we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get there. Okay. Um, but no, I'm not so much expecting an argument. I just I'm I'm. This is my first time through the album, so I thought I'd I'd take my notes and see what you had to say about it. Yeah. Okay. Totally uh, fine. Track five is "If the World." Yeah. Um, what I wrote here is Axel. What is this beat, you sultry devil? <laughs> yeah, this one has. The most, like, if people come into an album expecting blues hard rock, this is the most, like, electronica-sounding thing ever, On like, as far as Guns N' Roses have recorded. It has this really weird, super synthetic bass drum beat thing going on with, like, Latin guitar over top of it for some reason. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really bizarre. It's a really bizarre thing. If you're, again, if you're coming into this album expecting blues rock, which it's not. Right. None of this album is blues rock. No, there's very, very little of that going on. Uh, I kind of dig his high notes on the chorus, but... I love the chorus of this song I love, so much. I do like the chorus, but I don't care for the dying cat vocal fry on the verse. I think that would have been a good place for him to do like some of the deeper vocals, and he does that on like a do 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 thing on the bridge. He does it in like a yeah. lower lower speaking voice. I think it yeah. would have worked better if he backed off on the verses a little. Okay, I mean, again, I'm just gonna have to go back to, and this is gonna be like my constant thing about Guns and Roses is, I can't tell you you're wrong, but I personally love. I love the screechy. I love the screechy vocals. That's just a thing that really, like, that that hits me in the right place for whatever reason. So, like, no, you're not wrong. I, I, I can't argue that. I, I am, but I am also, like, I'm trying to keep that in mind, and I, I want to keep the, the me commenting on his vocals, like, as little as possible, because I do, I, I, I can't just keep saying I don't like Axel's voice on every song, but... Uh, but that's two... easy, and that's also probably, again, I think that's most people's biggest issue. If yeah. someone doesn't like Guns N' Roses, that's why. Right. Uh, there was a time. Um, again, I think the, this album has some really good instrumental parts, mm -hmm. but they they 
Axel was gatekeeping the good parts behind Butt Rock, okay? <laughs> they have these choruses that are designed to make me want to turn the song off. It was the wrong time for you. It was the wrong time for me. It's terrible. I don't like Axel dabbling in Butt Rock. <clears throat> but I do like the theatrical rock sections. That's pretty cool. I, so I actually really can't defend There Was a Time. This is actually one of the tracks that I will skip when I listen to this album. I'll tell you, it just as doesn't, it, as it just it doesn't do, do anything for me. The first part doesn't do anything to me because I was subjecting it to myself, like subjecting myself to it. The, mm-hmm. Like the later instrumental in the song is cool. I don't think I'll ever put it on again. Yeah. Um, Catcher in the Rye. My note is that it's imperative that we never let Axel Rose have a gun. <laughs> uh, he goes a little Southern rock on this one. And I guess it's yeah. not a bad place for him to be like, it's no. not bad. Um, I mean, Axel did always like his Confederate flags and cowboy hats. Just saying. He sure so, says I, some I'm, questionable things in GNR lies. He sure has. Uh, I, I, you know how they say never meet your heroes? Yeah, I never want to meet Axel Rose. Uh, full disclosure, I have no doubt that I would not like the man in person. <laughs> like, just, just saying. Um, I love his voice, though. So then Scraped, I just wrote some songs you don't look forward to re-listening to. Okay, so fun, funnily enough, like, Scraped is another song I actually don't listen to. Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say, um, I believe it was another Buckethead song. Yeah. But, I mean, again, just like, Scraped is just another, I, I skip it. Um, I had to take a break after writing the Bourdains. I hope you know how to pronounce it. Um, I just wrote Not Good. That's totally fine. Can I say it again? That's actually the la- like that's the other song. Like there's nothing else on this album I skip. That's the next song that I actually skip. The middle of this album, like I love the I love how it opens. I love how it ends. This middle section is just like eh, well, there's two with no eh. redeeming qualities for me. Yeah, uh, I have nothing. Tra- to, I can't defend some of these. So track ten um, is sorry, and I wrote you should be. Not particularly interesting. Uh, I think on second listen, I kind of decided that it wasn't that bad. Or maybe I'm like, I'm just, this album is so bloated that I'm just starting to appreciate the quieter moments. I don't know. Sorry, sorry isn't bad, but I think it's done better later. I don't think, yeah, Oak, that's, you know what, I'm gonna, you hold on to that thought. That's perfect. (laughs) Like, that's, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, IRS, once again, it's going a little bit more for twang than I expect for, for, from GNR, but yeah. it's maybe the most GNR sounding so far. Yeah. This IRS, I think sounds like it would have made sense on use your illusion. The only thing maybe being is like, why is he using the worst like stock drum machine sounds that he could find? The, the drum machine, like, fills and beats on this album just sound very stock to me. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. So, again, this album does have a lot of, like, industrial and electronic influence in it. Yeah. There are, and there's actually something else I'm going to bring up uh, later here, but, like, I, I feel like he was probably listening to a lot of, like, early Nine Inch Nails so, at some point when writing this. So and I, I think it's kind of going for that sound that like late 80s early 90s industrial sound and he's using less like oh here's a this would have fit right in here's a super generic thing that would have fit into like 
I don't know, insert early Nine Inch Nails album here. But it's it sort of feels like he doesn't have any good direction with what to do with some of it. Like, he's just putting it in there to fuck around with it. Whereas, like, it doesn't bring anything to the song. Like, he's not doing anything creative with the drum beat. He's just putting in, like, a stock Fruity Loops drum beat into this song that's otherwise fine. So, this is my personal take on it. I have no clue what Axl Rose was thinking. I don't have a clue what Axl Rose has ever thought. The man's kind of out there. Um, But I think this is one of the examples where I think it wasn't super important. I think there's a lot more going on in the song that they want to pull focus to. Yeah. That what was happening in the bottom of the mix just doesn't matter. But and it's that's just... how I listen to it. Like it, it, I, I don't really think about, I don't really think about that at all, honestly, because I, I, I get so caught up in other aspects of this song. I guess so. But it just leaves me wondering, like what, what was the point of throwing this in here when it works just as well, if not better without it? Like, why did you, why did you feel the need to throw this like in, you know what I mean? Because, I think during the 14 years it took Axel to write the album, I wonder how many different demo recordings of some of these songs there are. I know I have demo recordings, multiple demo recordings of a few of these songs. Um, this is not one of them. Well, this album was like demoed like six times or something. Yeah, it was recorded numerous times, basically. Um, and it was leaked twice, almost in its entirety, you know. So I wonder if it's just one of those ones that, like, I can fully picture somebody, you know, you have your demo recording of a song. It's just like, yeah, let's just, uh, let's, let's, you know, click a couple buttons, push, pu- push a couple buttons and add something in here into the mix. And then you add it and then just, like, forget it's there. Yeah. And then that accidentally ends up on the final press. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't think it takes, a, I don't think it takes away from the song. It's just, it is a thing that is just, like, kind of oddly there. Yeah, it's just something that I don't. I think it's a little distracting, but like, it, I mean, it's not, it's not making or breaking the song for me. But it's just certainly something where I look at it, I'm like, why did why did you bother? Um, Madagascar, Axel groans and caterwauls over forgettable beats for three minutes, and then the second half is samples under a forgettable solo. I mean, all right. I... I can't yell at you. I can't tell you you're wrong. I like it. I like this song a lot, actually. I think it's really cool. Do I have anything I can... Like, can I defend this one? No, not really. I I don't like Axel's voice on it. And this is aside from the screeching. He has, like, the... The, like, vocal fry on his clean voice. And it it sounds very old. He sounds elderly. Like, he sounds elderly or something. Oh, he sounds old. Yeah. Um... I, you know what, I've never really thought... Can I have 30 seconds here? I'm going to put it on real quick. Sure. God, I do love this intro, though. It sounds like it's straight out of Warcraft 2. <laughs> Which, I know some people might not call a compliment, but I actually kind of love that about it. Alright, let's see here. Okay, so now that you say old... I do get what you mean. He has that wavering vibrato going on that a lot of old men get. He has that old that old man uh, warble thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I, I never really thought of it that way, but I, I absolutely get where you're coming from. Um, this I love. Better Sorry, best song on the album. Yes. 
Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's, it's not the best song on the album, but like, no, this is this is the better version of Sorry. I love Axel Discovers Meatloaf Rock. This is great. Yeah, all right, I can yeah. I can take that description if it makes you if it makes you feel any better. As I believe, this I love is the most played song on this album on Spotify. That's probably me in the last week, but that's fine. <laughs> um, no, that's that I I. That's got to be, like, one of the better songs on here. Um, Prostitute. We say Lady of the Night here, Axel. Well, okay, so Axel has never been one for saying things the politically correct way. Which we will cover at some other point, I'm sure. You can, you can check out GNR Lies on Spotify. They didn't even, like... they. You know, sometimes when a song when an album has, like, a controversial song on it, they'll, like, skip that one on the remaster. No, they left that one right in there. Um, oh, did they really? I don't think I paid attention to that the one on gnr lies yeah yeah the, you can still listen to oh what's it is song? yeah it is it you is, can, i'm looking now it is on spotify you can it's, listen to it right now if you want to it's sure there okay, uh huh late prostitute i don't think is bad it's got some more of that dated butt rock and drum machine ideas that like okay yeah you know <clears throat> i think are just throughout the album uh but it's not bad and it has um a long ambient ending that makes you appreciate that the album's over. Um, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, like, a lot of people don't like this as a Guns N' Roses album. Maybe this would have been more uh, fairly accepted as an Axl Rose album, but I don't think anyone would listen to it then. So we've talked a while ago about the the whole weird world of who owns a, a band name kind of thing. Yeah. I'm completely indifferent over whether this album were called a Guns N' Roses album or not. I'm not bothered by people who, you know, say, like, oh, no, Guns N' Roses broke up in the 90s and never reformed. Whatever. Like, I'm not going to fight you on that. If this album were called by a different... Like, if this album went just by Axl Rose or a different band name or whatever, fine. Um, I mean, like, yeah, we could argue forever over, like, Black Sabbath, like... Does a certain era of Black Sabbath count as Black Sabbath? Well, it is what it is. That's the name they had. Sorry. So, um, well, well, here's my here's my um, because I'm not I didn't look at it. Uh, the 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 actual members of who there who, I didn't look at the actual members that are on this album. Does it have anyone from the original lineup aside from Axel? No, no. Okay. Does anyone even make appearances like? Is I know there's no oh well okay so okay like, it depends Izzy show up or something it depends are we including Dizzy Reed the keyboard player that that wasn't part of like I was say he was for destruction but he was with Guns N' Roses for a very long time are we including him does he count because he's on Use Your Illusion and he's on most of this album okay but there's no one from Appetite even has like a guest appearance right no okay all right. That I mean, that to me is kind of like a long shot for calling it Guns N' Roses. Um, but who owns the right to the name? Because obviously the obviously that's, Axel. Obviously that's the, that's what matters legally. But I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like sometimes uh, it's just like why not? Why not something else? You know? Um, no, I actually I, I actually completely agree with that. I would love this album just as much if it were a if it were titled by an Axl Rose solo project or if it had a totally new name. That's totally fine by me. 
I would then just refer to this as my favorite thing Axl Rose has ever done. Right. As opposed to saying it's my favorite Guns N' Roses album. But, I mean, effectively they're all the same thing. As Axl Rose isn't exactly known for doing much else. He, you know... Yeah. Like, there was, there was Hollywood Rose, I guess, if you uh, want to include that. You know, his pre-Guns N' Roses era. And I want to say he did, like, a couple features on other songs. And that's kind of it. He's done Guns N' Roses. So, as far as I'm concerned, Guns N' Roses is Axl Rose's project. Looking at the lineup, he should have called it just Hired Guns N' Roses. I mean, yeah, kind of. It's it's the, the lineup is intense. There's all there's there's like what like fourteen different people who were involved, just like instrumentally. Like it's a lot. It's a lot of people on this. So here's my thoughts. Just and this, some of this is just sort of Guns and Roses in general. Again, Guns and Roses does not have a single flawless album. Every album has tracks that I just straight up skip, and I'm just like, this just isn't. This just isn't good. Um. Use Your Illusion has Dust and Bones, which I think is boring. It has Back Off Bitch, which is boring. It has, um, 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 uh, oh my god, I'm drawing blanks. Oh, Bad Apples and Dead Horse. Like, I just, I don't even know the last time I listened to some of these songs. Just straight up, they're not good. Guns N' Roses has always done that. There I'll are... Say. I'll let you say any deep cut except the garden. Oh no, the garden's great. The garden and Garden of Eden, I think, are both great songs. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but like, just that's just like a thing that Guns N' Roses has always done. I'd say like twenty percent of their songs are just filler. They've never, they've never been great at writing, you know, banger after banger after banger. It's a lot of here's an amazing song, here's an ama- amazing song, meh meh, and then, like, four more incredible songs. It just so happens that Chinese Democracy has some of what are ultimately my favorite Guns N' Roses moments, you know. Like, if I were to make a top five Guns N' Roses moments, three of them are off of Chinese Democracy. And to be fair to Axel, even on User Illusion 1 and 2, they were starting to do weird shit that people didn't like. And that's why I give it, like, my personal title of, like, this is my favorite Guns N' Roses album. Even if it really is just for, um, like, my biggest ones are Street of Dreams. Again, I think that is probably my favorite Guns N' Roses song. I love IRS. I don't care if you want to call it butt rock or whatever. Maybe I just like some of that music a little more. I think Axl Rose's voice in it is incredible. I think If the World is another one that it does not sound like what people think of Guns N' Roses, but my response to that is your idea of what Guns N' Roses is sound what Guns N' Roses sounds like is wrong. Guns N' Roses is not this blues band. They haven't been for 30 years. Get over it and move on. And to be fair to Axel, even on User <clears throat> Illusion 1 and 2, they were starting to do weird shit that people didn't like. Yeah, yeah, um... <laughs> what's... Oh god, what's that song? Um, My World. Well, My World is... Can we just say it? Like, that's one of the worst things they've ever written. My, my World is probably my least... Like, the, like, that is... That was, I think, my first time... Like, when I was first getting into Guns N' Roses, I'm pretty sure My World was the first time where I went... Oh what what ew 
ew, what is this? Like, what the hell am I hearing? This is not who I thought I was listening to. But there were other songs on that album that were, like, kind of weird, too. They were kind of weird, but my world is the one that really made me go, like, oh, God. Oh, wow, they're, this is bad. Like, this <laughs> is just straight up bad. And to me, that's okay. Like, that's fine with me. Yeah, at least they put it on the end there. Now, in all fairness, I mean, like, the Spaghetti Incident isn't exactly a stellar album either. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's like, you know, it's it's covers. It's it's hard, to, like, it's hard to it's sing co- the praises for any band's cover album. Like, <clears throat> it's covers, much. but, like, they're also not even really good covers. I think they're mostly bad choice of, choices of songs, and I don't think they're well done. I really like Since I Don't Have You. I think that is a beautiful cover of The Skyliners. Which is also kind of a fun choice, not gonna lie. I like seeing like the Skyliners who were like a like a uh like a doo wop group. Um from Pittsburgh, for the record, in case you didn't know that. They were a doo wop group and Guns N' Roses did like this bluesy cover. I think that's super cool. Um I think their cover of Raw Power by the Stooges is fun, but like it's not better than the original. It didn't need to exist. Their cover of Hair of the Dog by Nazareth is fine. It's not great. It's like, yeah, I kind of pretend the spaghetti incident for the most part didn't happen. They have they have like one good cover, right? This is, we can agree on that, right? They have a couple good covers, just not a ton. It's knocking on heaven's door. Yeah, I mean, knocking on heaven's door, I think, is a great cover. I'm gonna tell you something, Jeff. I think their cover of "Live and Let Die" is also really good. I I don't uh, really per- I don't particularly like. Okay, here's the thing. I don't like the original that much, and also it is not. It is a song that if I'm putting on "Use Your Illusion" one, there's a good chance I'm gonna skip it. But I like it more than the original. I'll I'll give you that because I was going to attack these this song in general. So uh-huh. I, okay. I'll give you that because I think uh, "Live and Let Die." Uh, fuck Paul McCartney. Whoa! For that one song, fuck Paul McCartney's Paul McCartney's entire catalog. Why? I don't know. I just don't like. Do it. we need to talk about Paul McCartney at some point? Because I'm not okay with the fact that you just said that. No, I I don't hate Paul McCartney. I just hate that song. I mean, I don't hate the song. I don't love it. I don't think it's stellar. It's definitely not one of Paul McCartney's best songs, but Live and Let Die is not a great song. It's a fine song. It was a good Bond title song. I'll take it for what it is. Guns N' Roses did it better, but even so, it's not a song that I ever seek out and put on. It's a song that if I'm playing the album, I might not turn off. Okay. It's just how it is. I lost track of what we're happening. Shit. What were we saying? What are we talking about? We're talking about uh you know, some 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 people like Chinese democracy and that's you. <laughs> I'm not alone. Okay. Okay. I've made a uh, list. You might need to bleep uh, this one na- guy. Just for the record, uh, you know, bleep the name out, but a fan of this album too. Okay. Just throwing that out there. When this album came out, like we were both like on top of this album. Get off of it. It's gonna break. No, this album was amazing. It has a album. No, again, but again, um can I can I give you this though? Go ahead. Like losing some of the hype words and, and the controversy here. I do think when Chinese democracy is not good, it is very not good. I do think the bad songs on Chinese Democracy are exceptionally uninteresting. I don't think they're offensively bad, but they are incredibly forgettable. I could not tell you what 
what scraped sounds like off the top of my head. Oof, bad. I couldn't. Bad. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you any words. I couldn't hum a melody to you. It is incredibly forgettable to me. But I think when this album is good, which is like the the Shackler's Revenge, I think has just like I love the ridiculousness of that riff. Yeah, I love it. Um, again, I love I love the vocals on IRS, and I love the vocals on Street of Dreams. I realize I am in that weird world of I like the the, the screechy cat thing. I'm not gonna yell at people for not liking it. I personally love it, and I think Street of Dreams is just such a phenomenal vocal performance for my personal tastes. Well, and like I said, uh, it's conditional for me. I like when he when he does like one of the shrieks on like a rock song, and I like when he does some of the highs on less rock songs. But sometimes when he does, he adds that fry to a ballad. I just go, why? It sounds like shit when you do this. See, because I completely disagree, and I think this is going back to last time we were talking about James Labrie just not fitting the style. Yeah. And I'm completely disagreeing. I think I think Axl Rose's voice sounds awesome in this style. I actually love hearing that voice in these in these like ballady type things. And you know who else does really screechy vocals over ballads that I really like? Is John Oliver from Sabotage? But John Oliver, well, he's kind of a unique voice. He has an extremely like his voice. Absolutely, is like an acquired taste. Yeah, but I love it. But he's another one that like he will do. It'll be a softer section of a song, and he will still do his weird wailey screechy thing. Yes, and, and he... I can fully understand some people being hugely turned off by him. I there's just something different about it that I'm trying to like put into words. It it I think it comes down to I don't think John Oliver has the same kind of vocal fry that just kind of like is nails on a chalkboard to my inner ear when it's played loud. You know what I mean? There's that very like even when he's doing it like not as high, not so loud, he kind of adds that to it. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean that's yeah, that's totally fine. Again, this is coming back down to just like this is yeah, this is vocal preferences. This, this is this a point. personal preference yeah. thing, and I realize it's extremely divisive. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's there's why nothing I... I can say to to really defend it. It's just yeah. Sorry, yeah. like I'm a big fan of Axl Rose's voice. I'm a sorry. I was a big Cinderella fan, and Tom well, Keeper's his... another one who just like you know. He, voice preferences, voice preferences are something that we could kick back and forth for hours and never. Get yeah, exactly. It's like I, I'm not a lot of your complaints here. I, I can't really argue. Like that's just a thing. But what I am trying to say is that it, it's not that I, I across the board hate Axl Rose's vocal performances. He has things where I say it sounds good on this. I don't like it on this. Uh, it sounds good on this. I don't like it on this. And specifically that that that. When he's not going all out, but when he's, like, doing the vocal fry, but it's not hitting, like, a really big crescendo or something. He's just doing, like, a verse, like, I'm trying to think of what song I, I, I brought it up that he did it. I think it was If the World, where he's doing it, like, quieter, like, 
I never knew that you would look at me or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's way down here. Yeah, I it's don't softer I, and it's lowering her his range, and he's still adding the the fry, the, the grit. Yeah, and that's just something that I don't need more of in my life. Oh, but like I, when oh he God, when he hits those me. clean choruses, I love that. Because if you listen to those choruses on that one, he's not not doing as much of the fry at all. No, he's wailing pretty high, but it's it's fairly clean. I mean, as far as Axel Rose goes, like it's as clean as he ever really sounds. Yeah. Um, well, aside from you know, Elephant in the Room, he's pretty bad live most of his career. <laughs> um, we we can do we could do a whole another conversation on fucking singers that are bad live. But yes, he is he. He was. I don't think he was he's, that bad okay. when we saw him. But no. So I was gonna say. So he so he's cons- not he, known. He's not known for consistent performances. No. Even early on, as far as I understand, he he was very hit and miss. Um, and then he kind of disappeared for a while. He was sounding really bad in like the early two thousands when he did those random one off shows. Well, early and on, then, you never knew if he was just gonna disappear from the show in general. So. Well, that too. He kind of got his. He got himself straightened out a little better over the years with that kind of thing. Anyway. Um, he wasn't showing up to shows an hour or two or three late or whatever, like he 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 did once upon a time. He just there but were no, shows he so, just didn't show up to at all, right? Yeah, like, exactly. he just I never showed so. up. So he did, however, for a few years there in the 2010s, sounded really good live, fairly consistently, I think. And when Guns N' Roses was doing the Not in This Lifetime tour, which was like the semi reunion, I bought tickets and I dragged you with me. And that was a stellar performance. Like, that was during those couple years where I think Axel honestly sounded great. As a not big Guns N' Roses fan, that was actually a really cool show. Yeah, it was a really great show, except for the fact that Wolf Mother opened. Oh, you know, every <laughs> every rose has its thorn, so to speak. Oh, and that. <laughs> And there was that lady who thought we were a couple. That was cute. I was going to say, there was that person who was like, no, I need to take your picture of you two together so you can remember this and got our picture together because I'm pretty sure she thought we were a couple. But no, that's fine. I mean, it was a great show. We just, it's fine. We didn't exactly go home together. Like, I'm assuming I probably drove and, like, dropped you off back at home. I didn't exactly walk you up to the door either, you know. Get the hell out of my car. Um, but no, that was... I forgot about... I, I want forgot, my kiss goodnight. I forgot about that woman who insisted she took our picture together. Actually, I remember because I, I, I just... We just left from your house. I drove to your house and we left Did you? I don't remember that well. I remember I remember uh, giving myself like, all right, I got from here to Jeff's house to like... I think I pulled up the track list and, like, familiarized myself with, like, the two deep cuts they were playing that night or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did see a pretty cool set list, though. I mean, we did get... I mean, of course, we did get This I Love, which was just, like... That is one of those, like, concert moments that I don't know if I'll ever have that kind of feeling again. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just, like, you hear that song that you've just been waiting to hear, and it's like, oh, my God, it, like, cuts right through you. So we did get to see This I Love live, which was cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a great show, though. It really was. We're at an hour. If you want to wrap it up and then decide our topic for next week, I'm okay with that. I, I think for the most part, you know, I again, I'm. I think this album, when it's low, it's really low. But when it's high, it's I think the best Axel's ever done. I mean, I think, and I'm gonna say that lyrically, compositionally, vocally, everything. Um, 
lyrics are one thing I didn't. Lyrics are one thing I didn't really touch on. I thought they were fairly solid, but there's a couple that I thought were pretty not good. Again, we're we're gonna go back to my my highlight here, right? My my highlight reel of Guns and Roses that I that I mentioned sometimes here. Yeah. And the the peak of this is the song Street of Dreams. Specifically, I do want to bring up my my what I think personally is just like the the best section of lyrics that have ever ended up in a Guns N' Roses song, right? Yeah. Is the breakdown moment near the end. It's it really is just like the the pinnacle of the song. Yeah. Where you go what I tell you, ooh that's what they tell you. No. <laughs> Specifically what this means to me is more than I know you believe. What I thought of you now has cost more than it should for me. What I thought was true before were lies I couldn't see. What I thought was beautiful is only memories. I adore that little section. It is not overly poetic. It is not pretentious. It is not trying to be anything more than it is. And I think it's really relatable, which makes it such an incredible moment of a song. I think everybody, if you give them those words with no other context, can apply someone or some situation to those words. And I love this section so much. And I'm sure I'll appreciate editing that section way more than I appreciated hearing Watch the Sparrow Falling 500 times editing the Dream Theater episode. But that's fine. Yeah, because... <laughs> Because that's probably the most, like, famous Dream Theater section, and it's so dumb. So I, Oh my I, god, it hurts how dumb that section is. So, so, uh, I It's I a cool think, melody, though. I, going back, I will give them credit. That, oh, I, that, do like, that, I do like that the melody. That section has a cool melody. Like, that section sounds cool. Just lyrically, it's dumb as shit. So, I, I, can I give this, um... The same, like, kind of statement that you gave for the album in general for the lyrics. When I think they're good, I think they're very good, but I think there's also some really bad shit on here. Oh, yeah, there's some horrible lyrics on here. Um, okay. But again, that's that's kind of what Guns N' Roses has always been to me. They are either really good or, like, wow, what happened? I think we need to pl- make a playlist of all the songs on every Guns N' Roses al- album where Axel calls himself crazy. <laughs> Um, can I, can I do one more thing to you as, as a wrap up here? Yeah, sure. So you probably know the story that Axel has said that he has like three more albums worth of material to, to. He's released like two singles and they're basically Chinese democracy's outtakes, right? I was going to say, do you know the singles? Have you listened to them? Yeah. Have you? Absurd and, absurd and hard school, right? Give yourself. 30 seconds of absurd again. Okay, yeah, I'm here I am listening to KMFDM again, but okay. Okay, so yeah, I know and and, and I had to I had to do this to you just because I know that you get stuck listening to KMFDM a lot with my brother as you guys are on the way to work. Um, I, I'm just going to bring this back to Chinese Democracy is not a blues album. 
Axl Rose is not a blues rock singer. He wants to be an industrial artist. Like, he is new metal, industrial-esque, or butt rock, or whatever. And I think the biggest problem with Chinese democracy is that people are expecting something that he isn't. I think Appetite for Destruction was a fluke. I think what Axl Rose really is, is something like this. Or, the worst song otherwise that they've written, My World. Well, I think that's definitely what Axl Rose wants to do. Um, Obviously, the other forces at play, Slash and Izzy and Duff and that Mm, other guy. Yeah. Uh, they're they're probably the ones that 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 kept use your illusion almost on track, is my assumption. Yeah, I mean, just like again, just like my point really just comes down to like, no, I I love this album. I think people's biggest complaint just really comes down to it's not what people expect from them, and I think really it's just like maybe you just don't like what Guns and Roses wants. No, you want Guns and Roses to be something that they're not. And that well, they really they want, never were. Well, I, th- yeah, I think they want Guns N' Roses to be what... What they were uh, briefly. What they were. And even in To Use Your Illusion, I mean, there's a lot... You, there is there is experimentation on there, but at its core, it's still the same band that put together Use Your Illusion. Whereas this is, this is only Axl Rose, and it's kind of off the rails, and there's probably a good reason for both of those. To be the case, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. This is, I mean, that's why, you know, uh, Slash went and made other gun band. Yeah. Of a revolver. Yeah, he sure did. Slash does have a thing for those names, apparently, you know. Well, you, we need a, we need a gun and then something kind of feminine. What do we got? So can I tell you something that I thought was kind of funny? Yeah. Um. Apparently, when they were going through names, like, Scott Weiland, I guess, pitched Red Velvet Revolver, and Slash had to drop the red because it sounded too much like Stone Temple Pilots. So I guess three Are words... Are you serious? It's, I guess three words makes it sound too much like like Stone Temple Pilots with, like, no similar words, but, like, yeah, Guns and Roses doesn't sound anything like, like Velvet Revolver. I've always thought Velvet Revolver was, like, a play on Guns N' Roses. Like, I assumed that that was, like, an intentional callback or something. I will double-check that story, but that's what I remember hearing. I really hope that's true, because that's absolutely hysterical. Also, the fact that Red Velvet Revolver doesn't really sound like Stone Temple Pilots to me at all, other than, like, you know, I guess the the cadence cadence of it, maybe. Weird. All right. That's funny, though. God, Velvet Revolver was not good, though. I'm just, just saying. It sure was a band. Like, okay, Velvet Revolver, I think, is much more butt rock than than any... Than, than, well, no, not anything. Than most things on Chinese, Chinese democracy. Um, your definition or mine? I don't know. As far as I can tell, yours. Velvet Revolver just screams generic mid-2000s hard rock. Velvet Revolver would have made perfect sense on tour with Seether. In fact, I don't know, did that ever happen? Was that ever a tour? I feel like it probably would have been. Maybe, I guess. I'll have to look him up again. I don't... I'm not... Maybe, like, Slither. I'm not... I'm I'm mostly thinking of Fall to Pieces, and that doesn't quite ring true for me, but that's not the biggest deal. It's fine. Either way, 